everyone welcome to another edition of sports with friends we're on time how about that no election to cause any delays we have a podcast going this is episode 274 and it's november and i don't understand because if you're listening to this in the future and you know how all this covid stuff comes out just do me a favor give us a tweet let me know how the flying car is and let me know how we get out of this because right now we're going to preview the masters this was an episode we prepared for in april <laughs> and that didn't happen we don't have that op- opportunity anymore but uh, my man jeff eisenband is back and this is his second appearance on sports with friends we're going to talk about his last appearance on sports with friends exactly 110 episodes ago that was weird man we were younger then jeff how are you buddy I'm good. I'll tell you exactly, you know, so that I, I not not to to steal your thunder, but you're going to talk a little bit about that was after the Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka uh, U.S. Open, which I had covered. And the interesting part about that is I had gone on a first date with a girl right before that, you know, dropped kind of the I'm I'm too cool for school. I get yeah, yeah, I'll be at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium for the U.S. Open, you, yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the press room for Serena Williams's uh final and you know it's two it's uh i guess we're two plus years later and i, I still have the same girlfriend that i went on the first date get out of here so that's I, the girl I, that's crazy I, so I, I just i remember you know i remember that being a thing that i had you know that was kind of the we were texting after the first date and i'm like yeah i'm at arthur ash stadium and then we talked about it after yes, i remember um, that. serena williams lost a, a you know a few finals a couple finals since then because you tweeted about how you were there and you took a, a strict stance and Mark Ernay, who worked for us open radio, he took the opposite stance. And I said, Oh, I want to have these guys do the Royal rumble. And I, that was the idea. And I said, screw sports with friends. Let's just have sports with two guys. who are going to argue. It was awesome. And I'll, I'll still stand to this day by saying like Mark's argument was that Serena Williams broke the rules. She was wrong. She was wrong. I think that to, to the sanctity of the U.S. Open, that it was a a uh, subjective call by the official that he didn't have to give a game away during the U.S. Open final. By the way, the same way that Novak Djokovic didn't have to get thrown out of the U.S. Open. Now, admit it. Did you think about this podcast when the, I, no, I, Djokovic got knocked out? Because if I had not just recorded an episode, we were ready to roll with the with the show that week. And that happened because that didn't happen on a weekend. That happened on a weekday, if I remember correctly. And we had already done the episode for that week. And I thought about it. I said, wait a minute. We could have that debate again. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I know there were some people that said during the, the NBA bubble when the Bucks were going to forfeit that first game, um, you know, some people were like, well, they should, they should forfeit, you know, and the other team oh, said, God. obviously we're not playing, but, but look, I don't know what Mark's opinion was. I'm just saying we're getting <laughs> on a tangent, but you know, maybe he said, well, that's the rule. I remember when that ha- thing happened with Djokovic, the uh, I was at my mother-in-law's and they have no cell service. So the only way you can connect to the world is through Wi-Fi. But if you leave the house to go on a walk, you are not connected to the world. And we decided to go for like this long power walk. My, my wife and I, we went, we walked like two and a half miles in the woods in God forsaken Long Island. And I didn't know where I was. And I came back. And I'm out of breath. I'm like, I'm dying here. And all of a sudden, uh, my mother-in-law just looks at me and just goes, did you see what happened to Djokovic? And at that point, I'm like, 
where's my podcast? What am I doing? What, what's the schedule for this week? No. And then it, it, it completely mixed. But we've done 110 episodes and you have the same girlfriend. That's 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 amazing. <laughs> well, I hope, you know, I hope that's for all the episodes. I think that's Kenny the goal. Albert. That's the goal in life, right? <laughs> that you have the same girlfriend or wife or significant other for the entire time you have a podcast. That's right. Uh, that's episode 164. Meanwhile, over the summer, when we did the month of interviewing the busiest people in sports, of which Jeff Eisenbahn is one of the busiest people in sports, but we had a month where we did uh, uh, Kenny Albert, Iron mm-hmm. Eagle, and then two weeks later, we did uh, Chris Majkowski, who is the uh, radio engineer for the New York Mets, New York Giants, New York Knicks, New York Rangers, St. John's, and Westwood One. And he's usually gone 315 nights a year. And he was climbing the walls at that point, ready to talk. Kenny Albert tells this crazy story because I met Kenny Albert at the New York Rangers Stanley Cup Parade. That was the first time I had ever met him. And he told me that at that parade, and we were talking about that parade and how that, you know, that's one of the greatest days, iconic days in sports, because that's the day that the OJ chase happens in, in 1994. And that's also the day that the World Cup starts in the United States. Uh, it's also the day Jack Nicholas plays his uh, final professional uh, Arnold, round. Not, not because we're t- going to talk about golf. Arnold Palmer, Arnold, Arnold Palmer, Palmer, Arnold Palmer, sorry. Uh, and then and then uh, Ken Griffey Jr. hit a milestone home run. I remember that there's a there's a 30 for 30 on that day. And the Knicks yeah. were in the NBA finals and the OJ chase. And Kenny Albert says that after the Ranger fan uh, Ranger parade, uh, a bunch of people that he had gone with said, you know, there's one of the person says, I live right by here. Why don't you guys come over? We'll cool off and we'll you know, we'll hang out and, you know, grab a couple of drinks. And he goes up to this this apartment and that's his future wife. He met his future wife at there. So there is a correlation between this podcast and future loves. I'm just saying that there is that I can't make this stuff up. Matchmaker Seth Everett. That's right. That if this podcast has accomplished anything, uh, <laughs> Jeff, you have uh, covered golf. You've covered the masters a number of years. Uh, you've written uh, uh, golf articles. You've done a bunch of things involving golf. Did you think they should have canceled? And now of all times where there hasn't been a major in a long time and it felt like golf was over. Now they're coming back and they're going to, of all places, Augusta in the heart of Georgia, which is the center of the political universe. What do you make of this whole thing? And this feels so strange. Well, you have to realize that take golf and tennis, for example, which golf and tennis were singled out at the beginning of this pandemic as can we make these sports work? They're individual sports, right? You're not in a locker room with, with teammates. You're not, uh, you know, you're not celebrating with teammates. You think you could do a lot of these. And golf was one of the first sports that came back. Um, golf and tennis, the only major events, really major, the only majors, grand slams that have been canceled are the ones in the UK, right. Wimbledon and the Open Championship, which had a pandemic clause written in. Basically, any big event in the UK had this pandemic clause written in, which is why they didn't happen. So it's events like the Masters, the US Open, you see the Wingfoot uh, shirt behind me, the PGA Championship, they were going to happen. You know, an and I podcast, so I'll just testify he has the shirt. <laughs> And and I think that what you also have to, you know, with golf is golf is a spectator sport like everything else. Um, but the crowd that you get on Sunday 
versus the crowd you get on Thursday morning at a standard golf tournament, including major events is dramatically different. So a lot of golf events that went down, some of the guys like the, the average players or the low end PGA tour players were saying, no one watches me on my holes anyway, you know? And so watching golf without fans, I think, and play and these guys playing golf, even the stars play golf on Thursdays without fans. So it wasn't as weird for them. I think coming back now, the masters, it's going to be different. You know, the masters is something that has been played in April for decades you know history the azaleas blooming we're not going to see that we're going to see brown leaves you're going to see brown leaves and i think that's going to be a sight to behold that might be gorgeous so that's going to be a sight that's going to be a memory that's going to be one of those kind of history you know i think that people there's this is going to be a trivia question for a long time this is going to be something that that you know history always looks at but it's the same course it's going to be played um you know i think that if anything that we've seen anything from golf over the last few months it's that guys still have that same passion that same drive that same sort of uh competitive spirit when they're playing without fans and i think this is for all sports you know the nba is a perfect example of what they did in the bubble you want to complain about it you want to complain oh you know it's not the same without fans blah 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 you're just going to get left behind um you know golf i mean right the Masters is still going to give someone a $2 million prize if they win. So you want to complain about it. It's right. still the same. You know, we're still talking about the same hierarchy of earnings. And, you know, you, you still Bryson DeChambeau won the U.S. Open. No one's looking at that, I think, as a, an illegitimate U.S. Open championship. And I think that, you know, it's going to be really different seeing it in November. But I think it's going to be refreshing. And especially right now, I mean, we're having this conversation. It's a Tuesday right now. Right. Tuesday and Wednesday, it feels like. This just this was supposed this was basketball and hockey night right now right you know we're gonna get something different with golf we can get into this but CBS has changed the broadcast time a little bit the Masters would usually you'd usually get the the leaders teeing off obviously daylight savings time it's a little different right now you'd usually that's get that's the, another great point you'd usually get the leaders teeing off probably around two I want to say. Um, 132 ish on Sunday, give them a little room for, uh, for a playoff. They're teeing off. I know the, the TV broadcast is 10 to three. So I'd imagine the leaders will tee off probably sometime around 11 AM. No CBS football games in the 1 PM window this weekend. It's only bonkers. Fox games. It's all Fox games. And it's just very strange because all the NFL announcers don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. Well, they all want to watch. Um, so, you know, Jim Nance will not be calling a football game this week which I'm sure as you know, never happens in the fall. I know Joe Buck takes off that one week that he conflicts with the world series, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's all going to be different. More on this conversation with Jeff Eisenband previewing the masters and many other things because he's such a well-rounded guy. Another well-rounded guy is the head odds maker for Bavada Sportsbook with week 10 in the NFL coming up this weekend what an interesting week of matchups. Let's welcome in Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, uh, week 10 in the NFL, and uh, we'll start it off in Tennessee with the Thursday night game where the Tennessee Titans take on the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts with, a, I would say, comeback player of the year candidate, Phillip Rivers, against this Titans squad that has been really, really good. Uh, tell me about Titans, Colts, and Bavada. 
Yeah, so we actually do have, uh, before we jump into the game, we actually do have comeback player of the year odds right now. And okay. Philip Rivers is, uh, he's right in the mix. He's up there at 10 to 1. Uh, we do have uh, Alex Smith out there right now at minus 250, just because it seems to be uh, QB by triage in Washington right now. But yeah, going back to that Titans game, uh, Titans again have looked really, really good this year. Uh, really impressive stuff. Uh, they played really well against the Steelers. Probably could have pulled that one out if things had broken uh, a little bit differently. And uh, yeah, I, you know, hopefully this continues to be a bit of a trend of decent Thursday night games, although I haven't looked too uh, far ahead. Uh, Titans currently in this one, two point favorites at Bovada and getting an overwhelming 85% uh, of the handle so far. So not a lot of love for the Colts in this one. Now, as we move to Sunday and Tua Mania, he is the biggest deal going on, not just in South Florida, but he's a big deal in Alabama still because the Crimson Tide are cruising. Their game was canceled this week because of COVID-19 against LSU. And the Miami Dolphins are 5-3, and three, and they look like they're headed to a playoff spot. They're taking on a, a team that's been very disappointed in the Chargers. Uh, it's a home game for Miami, and Miami's just a slight favorite. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. Uh, the Chargers have uh, they've they've looked good for good chunks of most of the games they've played. Justin Herbert has looked uh, really good under center as well. Uh, obviously taking over for Tyrod Taylor, who unfortunately lost his job by no doing of his own. But uh, yeah, I mean, how fun was that Dolphins uh, Arizona game on the weekend? Really back and forth, high scoring. Kyler Murray just so impressive, both throwing and running the ball. Uh, it's really, uh, you know, I think before the season started, we thought uh, the Bills would be right there in the AFC East. Obviously, they had a playoff spot last year. I think we thought that the Patriots and Bill Belichick, uh, well, I know I, I definitely thought, and I think I may, maybe even said so as much uh, on this show, that, uh, you know, what better coach to figure out uh, the minefield of the Corona offseason than Bill Belichick? Uh, and with three wins, probably not going to get there because of how well teams like Miami have done this year. And I think... That'll be one of the better matchups. We only have the Dolphins as three-point favorites because we do think that despite the Chargers' record, that they are better than uh, better than that record, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That, you know, they have kind of disappointed, which historically is their move. They don't quite play up to their potential, or at least finish, according to what we think their X's and O's potential are. As a result, Dolphins only three-point favorites, about 55% of the money on the Miami Dolphins right now. There's some really intriguing matchups out West, including the Rams hosting the Seahawks. That's almost an even matchup. Uh, the Seahawks coming in six and two, smarting after their loss last week. But here come the Rams at home where they're unbeaten at home. Uh, Seahawks, Rams, and after that we can do Bills, Cardinals, seven and two against the five and three Cardinals who are also in the playoff hunt. Yeah, I mean, gosh, the Seahawks, uh, Russell Wilson, he's put up great numbers. Yeah, just, unfortunate a couple of the drives they couldn't quite finish especially uh, right there in, in the red zone uh I, I mean the seattle defense really is the problem and uh for a team that uh the last five ten years has been known for a big brash beat em up kind of defense so this is a couple seasons now where it's been quite easy to light them up and one of the reasons why russell wilson has had to be as dynamic as he has been uh Yo, the Rams look like a pretty decent matchup for the Seahawks in this spot. They look like they've righted the ship from the down season that they've had uh, the year prior coming off the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. Uh, we're currently looking at the LA Rams minus one and a half, so a very, very slight favorite at home. Seahawks getting a ton and ton of money right now, just under 80% on the Seahawks in that game. What about the other one just down south? The Cardinals at five and three. 
uh, taking on that Buffalo Bills squad that seems to be getting better as time goes on. That's a great matchup. Josh Allen against Kyler Murray. Fantastic matchup. And I think uh, the fact that it's currently lined as the Cardinals minus two at Bovada. Whenever you get any point spread under three, you're really, you know, you're trying to attribute something to perhaps, uh, I was going to say home court advantage, but home field advantage in this spot. Although I don't know how many fans will be in attendance for that game in Tempe. Is it Tempe or Phoenix? I'd rather play. No, Phoenix, of course. Anyways, yeah, I'm mixing up my college and NFL. You're playing so, technically in Glendale. Glendale, yes. State Farm Stadium. Glendale. I think I did a weird attribution there because the Phoenix Coyotes playing Glendale too. Is that correct? Correct. 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 Okay. So I'm, I'm giving myself like five and the degrees. the Arizona of, Coyotes. That's right. <laughs> I was giving myself like five degrees of acceptability as to, you know, why I can get away with this. But uh, anyways. And I Arizona, don't want to alienate sports towns, but there is a great race. One day you and I can have it when, when sports calms down and there's no election. What you could do, what is the, gr- the, the best worst sports town between Phoenix, Arizona, Miami, Florida, and Atlanta, Georgia. Those three areas do not support all the teams that they have, and there's nothing that anybody can say to dispute that. That's not even an opinion question. That is, there are documented facts that there are teams, pro teams, that do not get supported. And all you have to just say is, what happened to the Atlanta Flames, the Atlanta Thrashers? Tell me who goes to a Florida Panthers game and... Arizona Diamondbacks, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it almost seems uh, like the audacity of ownership and like really it's like getting away from the sport. Like, you know, how much can we get out of taxpayers to build this monument to something that people won't even go and see? But, uh, you know, hopefully we start turning away from future. So, yeah, back to Bill's Cardinals. I, I, I do think, uh, you know, that's a really great matchup there. The Cardinals 5-3, and three, Bill's 7-2. A high over-under there as well. Uh, over-under 56 right now our highest total of the week and no surprise with these two high-flying offenses that is all is also the most bet over under of the week so far with about 85 percent on the over so this is one of those rare games usually uh if we're talking about an nfl sunday game or any day of the week that we're playing nfl your largest decision is going to be on a side who's going to win who's going to cover but this is a rare example of uh, folks not quite knowing who's going to come out ahead but they're thinking points and they're thinking a lot of them so again over under 56 at Bovada right now and about 85% of the money on the over. And the Sunday night game up in Foxborough, the Patriots, who I'll, I'll be honest, didn't impress me all that much in their Monday night victory uh, against the hapless Jets. Uh, they're taking on uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, who again, Lamar Jackson, look, they've had a hiccups, but they're a big favorite against New England. How would you play that game? Yeah, that's a tough one. And man, I, you know what? There was a part, uh, certainly through, I guess, the first three quarters of that Patriots-Jets game where I really thought, okay, are the Patriots uh, tanking for Trevor as well? Is that, what, is that what's happening here? And uh, oh my goodness, oh, I, I hate to speak in hyperbole, but it really seems like only the Jets could have blown that Monday night game. It seems like you know, the Patriots are now a reluctant three and five and as a result probably out of the trevor lawrence sweepstakes if they lost last night and then blew their next game against the jets they would have been right there but you know it's hard to tell uh, you know 50 plus players on your active roster to uh, you know go out there and lie down even if it looked like that's what they were doing for three quarters on monday night football looking to that sunday night game at bovada the ravens are currently seven and a half point road favorites they are taking about 75 percent of the money 
Um, you know, Patriots defense, besides last night, uh, they'd actually looked uh, not so bad this year. And, uh, you know, you, you look at uh, games against uh, the Raiders where they played quite well and were able to do you know, you just kind of wonder if they will ever be able to figure out consistently. I mean, that's one thing that the Patriots have is that they clearly have room to improve. I think uh, the Ravens are certainly, uh, you know, they are what they are, which is a very good team. Don't get me wrong. But I think, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, I think he can game plan for a game like this. Uh, but, you know, I'm not putting money on it personally. I'm staying away. Currently, we're seeing about 65% of the money on the Ravens minus seven and a half at Bovada. For more odds on college football, the Masters, you can go to the Bovada website. You can also check out the Bovada at odds podcast with me and Patrick Morrow. Now back to our conversation with Jeff Eisenband. It's hard to believe that it's been 18 months since the last time the Masters happened. Before we get into who you like and, and what fans should look for, because, you know, by the time people download this podcast, it'll be round two anyway. So, <laughs> you know, the, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, the, the majesty of the whole thing, a lot of people have asked me over the years to make a bucket list mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't have a big bucket list in sports. Wimbledon is actually on my bucket list. The masters is not on it. I don't need this at all. I, I, I this doesn't do anything to, for me. Um, it's not to put the tournament down. I was always turned off by, the stories of the course and its history and it's very jaded history and uh, how they didn't let black people for so many years and, and, and women couldn't go in the tournament. And it just, I didn't like any of the, the stuff that I had read when I studied golf and I studied the masters, it wasn't something that I circled ever. And people have asked me and they, I, I've, I've been to a PGA championships. I've been to a couple of us opens. I've never been to the masters and I don't have a reason uh, to go see it. I can't, th I, I, but, but it's not just the masters. Like I'm, I'm not into the Indianapolis 500 either. And I'll live a healthy life. If I never see that sell me on the majesty is, 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 is this truly the ultimate in golf experience? Yeah. I, I'm not going to sell you on the history. You know, you said a lot the of things garbage. that are, that no, are true. You, you can't change the history um, and it's garbage, but I think you have to look at things in, in its modern era. And I was lucky enough to be there in 2017 and there really is no picturesque venue quite like it in sports. I mean, we're talking stadiums and arenas are obviously you're compact to a specific space. We're talking about just masses of area and I, and I tell people this because right the other part that is true it's a fact I didn't realize it till I got there the masters does not allow cell phones you have to check you you there is a metal detector at the front for spectators and you cannot bring your cell phone in it's like you're going to a concert or a comedian who doesn't want anyone with their cell phones and they collect them at the door and you have to basically pick them up don't tell anyone I was lucky enough that I was with a group that we went through on a bus and I had my phone in my pocket. I just didn't take it out the whole time, but yeah, yeah. you, there's a spot at the top. The, the, the entire Augusta national golf course is built on a hill and basically the clubhouse and these various houses, um, you know, kind of like the, the places like the restaurants and the places you can go, they look like houses are at the top of the hill. And that's where the 18th green is. That's where the first tee is, the 10th tee, the ninth green. So you kind of, it, it's as classic as you start at the top, you go out and you come back to the top of the hill. And if you can take this picture at the top of the hill, it is like, it is the most stunning, 
view in sports in terms of seeing the okay. trees, seeing okay. the way that the, the tee shot on 10, and you'll see it on TV, is basically straight downhill. And the same thing with one, while nine and 18 come up the hill. So that, that to me is, is an incredible, just picturesque as, aspect of it. And then the, you know, being there, it's, it's such a, you know, to understand the golf, actual golf implications of it. It's one of, it's the most selective tournament. So it's only, you have to win a tournament. You have to be top 50 in the world. You have to have won in the past. You have to really be at the peak of your sport that year. There's no loopholes, right? The U S open, the, the open championship, there opens. Anyone can get in. You could basically, me and you could you say, we're going to start, right. we're going to start from local qualifying the PGA championship, you know, lets in basically an expanded a field of PGA tour members and PGA professionals, just, you know, guys that could work down the street. Um, this is just the top of the sport. And then the fact that it's played on the same course every year, you know, if for, from a fan perspective, fans can recite the holes, golf fans, they know every crevice on the course, you know, it, it no, no other golf, the U S open, might be played somewhere every seven to 12 years. Fans don't remember the holes the same way that they can say Phil Mickelson had this shot on 13 this year. Tiger had this shot on 16 this year. And I think that that adds a whole element to it. And it adds a whole element to the competitive level because it's not just about I'm in my best shape right now. I can drive the ball the furthest right now. Guys who, you know, there are certain guys that haven't been playing that well that I think could just show up at Augusta national. And they know the course, like the back of their hand, cause they played it 10 to 15 times competitively and they can just walk in there and they can find the, the specific areas of the course. They know where to land the ball on the greens. They know where this, they know where the slopes are. They know how the wind plays, although they haven't played it in November. So we'll see about that. That's, that's one of the things that makes it so special. When we talk about this massive athletic achievement, um, there's a big story uh, circulating all over there. I saw it on a couple of websites about Bryson DeChambeau. Mm -hmm. uh, he's known for distance and he has this 48 inch driver. And, you know, he talked about it in a pre-interview and they're all done on Zoom. It was just like the U.S. Open and the U.S. Open guys were so nice. Uh, they hooked us up and that's how we had. Uh, Dustin Johnson on the podcast and Colin Marikawa and uh, John Ram was on the podcast, but we, we didn't have Bryson DeChambeau. And um, it, it seems like that's something that everybody talks about. Uh, 48 inch driver, by the way, is the longest allowed under the rules, I, I guess. And it adds, uh, you, you can get his swing speed up to 144 miles an hour. I mean, the guy's just, that's amazing. Um, he already leads the PGA tour in driving distance. So I just wanted to ask, is that something that from a, from a prognosticating standpoint, do you look to things like that? You say, well, wait a second. He's a guy with a massive driver and he has, you know, incredible athletic ability. Does that play the masters? Is that something that you can go into it with? Well, so let me introduce for those who might not not really know Bryson DeChambeau uh, as well. This is a guy who- That's why we have you on here. Yeah, this is a guy who, I mean, we're talking prodigy, uh, star at SMU, won the US Amateur in 2015, which got him into the Masters in 2016. He was the low amateur there. Um, he he won the, the national championship as a collegiate player at SMU. So he was 
everyone, you know, he was kind of the top prospect coming in about five years ago. He comes into the PGA Tour. He wins a couple of times right off the bat, including he has a big win at the Memorial, which is kind of one of the biggest. That's Jack Nicholas's course in Columbus. It's basically one of the biggest tournaments outside of uh, the major major tournaments. And he's this quirky guy. He wears a driver hat. Um, you know, he, he has a, a stiff swing. He's always had his clubs the same length. So really the way the, as you get higher up, right, eight iron, nine iron pitching wedge, the club lengths actually get smaller. The, the loft is more, and you're supposed to have more control, although less distance, but he just has every club, the same length. So he's always been considered a quirky guy. He brought up, he brought a compass, like not like direction compass, but a compass you use in math class he brought onto the green once and they had to outlaw it. He was basically mocking the whole, like um, he, his nickname is the scientist. So he literally brought a, a compass to circle on the green and they made him, they told him he couldn't do that anymore. But anyway, fast forward last I mean, fall. I mean, did I pick the right golf guy? You, you, <laughs> by the way, you're going to have to come on next April. Whenever look, that's again. the, by the way, that's the next major after this masters, the next major is the next the masters. masters. Yeah. I, I saw is, that. That's so, awesome. so whoever wins tiger now, he won a year and a half ago. He's had the longest de title defense. Someone is going to defend this title for like five months and then they're going to, you know, have to defend right. it again. But uh, Bryson. So Bryson last fall basically says, I'm going to bulk up. Like he plays in less tournaments than he normally does in the fall. Right. The tour championship in golf is the week before Labor Day now, right before football season. And then the tur the next season starts. It's called the wraparound season now. But the fall events are not necessarily as big. And a lot of guys take off less have been taking off now because of the masters, but usually a lot of guys take off. Um, Bryson was because of his stats. He got onto the president's cup team which the President's Cup was in December last year in Australia. The Ryder Cup is the U.S. against Europe. The President's Cup is the U.S. against the rest of the world, not Europe. So that was in December in Australia. Tiger Woods was the captain and a player on the team. Bryson showed up, they said, out of shape because he had put on so much weight. He wasn't exactly playing the way that he had played. He still, remember, he played well enough in 2019 to have qualified for the team. But that, and that's the top 12 American players, but he had, was so out of shape that they only could play him one in one of the times that they had, to, they got to pick the amount, the, the groups he had to play in one mandatory session. And then they only played him one of the other, I think six sessions. So that's how out of shape he was. He comes back in the, in the, in the, I guess the January, February, March season, he's clearly figuring out his game a little bit. He, he's, he's showing some glimpses. The pandemic happens. The guy goes away. Everyone goes away. Golf goes away, right, for about three months. And Bryson comes back in June looking like a house. And we're talking about a guy, and you could look up the pictures, who was this skinny, tall college really? kid who now looks like a linebacker, if not a tight end, the way that the guy looks. So he's put on all this distance, and his the, the entire science of Bryson, the entire mindset is that I'm going to create such a top level body. I'm going to create the ultimate golf body that that is going to do so much of the work for me. Uh, this is a guy who basically comes around. He calculates every distance he is. Look, look, you're going to love this. He's total baseball, but for golf, 
He's trying to find every statistical competitive advantage, whether it be the way that he creates his clubs, the way that he grooves his ball, the way that he structures his body. He's put out, he's put out his, um, his diet, which is a ton of organ protein shakes and steak and potatoes every night. And, you know, all of these things that he does, and then he works out his body and, you know, he also works out to try to burn some of it off and turn it all into muscle. So he's hitting the ball. He's driving the ball further than anyone else on the PGA tour, basically by a long shot. And what has happened now is he's taking paths to the hole. He's hitting shots that the holes were not designed for players to hit the way that he does. I mean, he looks, he looks at a 385 yard par four and thinks, okay, well, how can I get, get there? And I look, there are some guys who can get some run, you know, hit, hit the ball, hit, hit a ball perfect. And they can hit a 360 yard drive. But usually if it's a 385 yard par four, that means the green is tucked away behind trees and he's thinking if i go directly over the trees with my driver and hit it with enough loft could i turn a 385 yard par four into a 335 yard par four and get there in one so to get to your original question which was augusta national because it was like a half an hour ago. augusta you wanted you wanted me to give a robust answer oh, you know you did <laughs> augusta People talked about tiger proofing Augusta National in the early 2000s when Tiger came out and started blowing it out of the water and they made it a little longer. And it wasn't so much that Tiger, he did have more distance than a lot of players, but he also hit the ball straighter with distance, which a lot of you just hadn't seen. You saw John Daly just hit it as far as he could, but he couldn't keep it straight. Tiger could. And what Bryson, what a lot of people think he might do is some of these holes, like I mentioned, these par fours, these short par, short par fours that were never considered short par fours. He might say, I can take this thing over the trees. I can do stuff that no one has thought about to try to put the ball, you know, to try to put the ball in the green or, or get a, get a, a wedge in my hand when most guys are going to have a seven or eight iron. And what Bryson has shown his, his, you know, finishes have been so consistent and he won the U S open. He's clearly gaining strokes in what he's doing. It doesn't guarantee a win every time. And I don't think, you know, I think people are getting a little too excited about Augusta because like I said, Augusta is such a shot shaping course guys like Fred couples who are still competing into their fifties, just because they know the course so well, I don't think just cause he hits the crap out of the ball that assures him a win, but it puts him so heavily in the conversation because he's always hitting his next shot shorter than everyone else on the course. We'll get back to sports with friends in just a moment. But first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? It's like sports with friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies, and when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports, but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movie. No worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Fred Couples is the answer to one of the strangest days in my career. Um, I, in the summer of 1998, got hired to go from Denver, Colorado to Seattle, Washington 
to ultimately work with the Seattle Mariners. And I was working for a KJR radio station out there and I became the sports director. And my first day I filled in on the midday show. And that was a an infamous story when Randy Johnson broke up three month media silence and called my show to yell at me. And the next day, and I had not found an apartment yet. Like I, I was living out of a hotel. It was the strangest week. Fred couples came in. He was a loyal listener to the station and he wore KJR stuff at every golf tournament. He would go around on the tour and he'd have a KJR hat and he'd have a, and he was picking up swag. And I was like, Am I in Disney World? Like, where where am I? And it was Freddie Couples. And he was so cool. And that's the last time I've ever seen him. And I've covered tournaments and I've looked for him and I haven't seen him because I want to see if he can remember that day. And I don't think he can. And I, I, I never know. And it's the weirdest thing that he's still going. And it's like, it's so weird that people from that era, from the late 90s, Jamie Moyer pitched until he was 50. Fred Couples is going in his 50s. What is the deal? What was in the water in Seattle? Well, I don't know, you know, for and Fred Couples is considered like still the coolest guy in golf oh, he's and, so cool. and he's 61 years old. And by the way, so he's I mentioned 61, my 61 God. years old. And I because mentioned he that, was a veteran. I'll be honest. When I met him in 98, he was a veteran. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm doing some quick math. He was 39 in 1998. Yeah. So uh, but he still gets to compete because he won the won the Masters. And this is a guy who just. He could show up at Augusta. You know, it's not like he's practicing like these other guys, right? I mean, he's been, he, he's, de- father time has definitely hit 61-year-old Fred Couples eventually. He as late as 2018, tied for 38th, 2017, tied for 18th. He missed the cut uh, last year, but it's just, he knows the course. So Bryson is going to hit his drives 100 yards further than Fred Couples. And I'm not saying Fred Couples is going to beat Bryson. If Fred Couples makes the cut, at this point in his life, that's a that's a success. But sure. you're still seeing that guys have been able to be successful at this course even past their prime, including it's, Tiger Woods, by the way. It's fascinating. It, fascinating. And uh, yeah, Tiger Woods, who indirectly has been on the podcast twice, but even though uh, the conversations have been press conferences, he uh, he's this lightning rod. And Phil Mickelson is kind of like that, t- too. Um you're very technologically inclined, you know, Allegedly. You're, you're, you're in esports, and you do all these, these, you're on a million apps and all these different things. Um, have the next generation of golfers captivated any part of the sporting public beyond the diehard golf fan? So for example, Dustin Johnson, I'm mm-hmm. just throwing Dustin Johnson out there. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's one of the examples I, I can think of. Uh, John Ram, um, uh, Colin Marikawa, like, are any of these guys taking that next step? So that if I go up, if I take a walk around my block and I just ask a, mm-hmm. a random stranger who Phil Mickelson is, they know. Do they know who Brooks Kepka is? I, I'm, I'm, and I'm just throwing out names because they're the contemporaries of this 2020 golf. But yet, it's the strangest thing. None of them are crossing over. So you do have to throw out Jordan Spieth was on the trajectory to do that. Um, And Jordan Spieth is a guy who came in, won the Masters at age 21, uh, won the U.S. Open uh, two months later at age 21, turned 22 
and came up one shot short of a playoff at the open championship. This was all in, in 2015. So we're talking about a guy who came in with massive success, massive swagger under armor, gave him a fat deal. And, you know, he won the, the open championship in 2017 had was the best player in golf from 2015 to 2017, hands down. And just has had one of the ultimate, um, slumps in the last three years of any athlete. I mean, we're talking about if Mike Trout, uh, all of a sudden from age 24 to 27 batted, you know, 235 every year. Um, so just an incredible, and it's not over for speed. He's 27. He's still got time, but I think that, you know, he was the guy that really had a chance. You mentioned Dustin Johnson, John Rom, two very different people. Dustin Johnson is 36. I think John Rom might've turned 25 or 26 today. Uh, today was his birthday. He hit that hole in one. We're, we're talking on Tuesday that a lot of people were watching. Um, so, you know, there's a difference there. And what I, I tell a lot of people, one of the reasons that I'm working so hard to get more into golf, which is a sport that I love and love to cover. And you brought up some of the things that I've done in the past, Seth. I just called uh, live PGA Tour golf for PGA Tour Live. Uh, I've done some stuff for MSG Networks and for golf.com, golf magazine, yep. uh, covering golf. And you know, I'm young and I want more people to be into the sport. And on top of that, Tiger Woods has brought eyeballs. Two big reasons have brought eyeballs to golf in the last uh, couple of years. Tiger Woods having this um, resurgence that he was basically done. I mean, 2016 to 2017, he barely played. 2014, 2015, he was sluggish. And 2018, 2019, he was one of the top players in the world, you know, in his 40s, showed back up and it got a lot of people to watch golf again. And they started to look around and say, oh, there are some other guys, you know, and I think that, the, by the way, the second reason that people are into golf is betting, but we can talk about that uh, maybe, maybe in a few minutes. Um, but I think that the, the PGA Tour, and one of the reasons I'm so interested in being involved in, in things right now is the PGA Tour is in such an interesting position where Tiger's not going to last forever. All right. He might still have another three, maybe four years in him where he can be competitive at big events, but it's also such an important time for the PGA tour to harness the potential to play up that young talent. Justin Thomas is a massive name that people need to know. Who's also 27. Who's been one of the top players in the world. The last few years has been hovering around number one, the last two years. He's on the cover of the PGA Tour 2K game. He was the college game day guest picker for an Alabama game. He went to Alabama a year ago. He wears oh. hoodies. He wears hoodies on the golf course sometime, which is a whole other conversation that's going on in the golf world right now. He's a cool, young guy who gets it, who wore a Kobe after Kobe passed away last year. He wore a Kobe Lower Marion jersey at the Waste Management Open. Think about who would have thought that a guy would wear a basketball jersey out there while playing. So there are certain guys, Roy McIlroy, still obviously a big name. Ricky Fowler has been one of the more marketable guys. Brooks Kepka, you mentioned, has definitely been a success on the course. And I think his kind of bad boy attitude has made him more successful in a lot of people's eyes than Dustin Johnson, who's run won three times the amount of PGA Tour events, not majors, but PGA Tour events as Brooks Kepka, but he has he doesn't have the charisma that Kepka has. Not that Kepka even has that much charisma, but more than Dustin Johnson. Uh, John Rahm's a guy you mentioned who's just he, you know a young Spaniard who's gonna who who 
went to Arizona State and has kind of adopted the U.S. and could be a guy who plays with a ton of passion on the course, whether he's playing well or not, who could be another guy that captivates a lot of fans. But it's so important for the PGA Tour to push these guys right now while people are watching the Masters this weekend for Tiger. They need to know about these other guys who are going to be around for the next 20 years and might not be Tiger, but have personality about them. But you agree, you know, I, I agree I that I agree that that they haven't th those guys haven't, they haven't crossed over. Crossed right. They over, haven't yeah. crossed over. But there's an argument to be made um, five years ago, maybe 10 years ago. I would laugh when PGA executives would say, oh, we're fine without Tiger. And the reality is the numbers just didn't show it. Nowadays, it's different because now he's clearly at the end of his career and he's not what he once was. And, you know, the guy's an icon, an iconic golfer. And for anybody to talk about him as being anything less than that is ridiculous. The fact of the matter is, is that with, you know, the way he crossed over was so unique. And yeah, the color of his skin played a role. But the fact of the matter is, is that it was so unique and he became such a rock star. And I just wonder how golf takes that next leap. Like you mentioned uh, Spieth. And it's so interesting to hear you say that because I remember hearing, you know, this is the next guy. This is the next guy. And he never turned into the next guy. And, you know, when I walked onto the course, um, I was at the PGA. No, I was at the um, what's the what was the course that had the tournament right in Jersey city by the statue of Liberty Liberty. It's uh well, that's Liberty national. And there was uh the Northern trust was the there. Northern trust. Yeah. So the Northern trust last year, that's where uh, we did a, a couple of podcasts back then. And I remember then Patrick Reed won. Pat, right. And I, I remember that, but people were talking about Dustin Johnson and they were talking about these golfers, but they were golf people. Mm -hmm. And what I can't do is I can't have a conversation with a non golf person that he doesn't know any of these people. And you mentioned gambling. And I think that's also helping because golf has been the beneficiary of legalized gambling to such the degree that you can go on all these apps. You can bet holes, you can bet tournaments, you can bet days. There's all kinds of props. There's all kinds of stuff from a gambling standpoint and I think that golf's numbers have been enhanced by it as Tiger's decline has gone on. And I, I know it's an open-ended question and it's not, mm. look, you know, this is a conversation, not really. An but, but it's something that but I the, think about every day. So I'm happy to have oh, a conversation. No, I'm curious to get your thoughts on just the idea of if you change the expectations, golf's doing fine. But if you go on old standard expectations, this sport needs another Tiger Woods and you have a bunch of great guys that are not him. Well, so I think, look, I, I think the let's t touch on the betting point for a second. Um, the reason that I think golf betting is so successful is like the NFL, it's consistent. You know, when you can bet on golf, golf tournaments are going to be pay played every Thursday to Sunday, Saturday and Sunday are big golf betting days. Sunday is a massive golf betting day. Anytime in the year, not just during the fall, anytime in the year. Because, you know, that's when the tournament's ending and that's, you know, your time to to watch when it's big on TV. And, and I think that that adds something to it and the consistency that it's every week, you know, betting on a sport like baseball or hockey or basketball, basketball, you got to track who's playing that night because guys are always sitting right. Sure. Baseball. 
Baseball is a crapshoot every night. You just never know what can happen in a baseball game. The best pitcher could get shelled one night, right? Hockey, the lines are so thin. Same with soccer, but golf, it, it feels like football where it's this guy just has to show up this, this time during the week. And I think that that's really helped golf betting. Um, I think that, that all these sports, uh, you know, we're going to be at a point set in probably let's say 2022 that a lot of these sports are going to be embedded with streaming apps and with betting apps. I don't know if it'll be on a betting app or on a streaming app that you're going to be able to bet and stream at the same time. And that's where I think golf really plays into something interesting because you could be, you could want to bet on some random grouping that isn't even competitive at the end of the weekend, but you bet on this one guy who you think is going to beat the other guy he's playing with. And you're locked into that. That doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but you're locked into that on a Sunday morning. You wake up early at 9.00 AM. These guys don't even matter for the outcome, but you're still watching. And I think that that golf is helped so much by um, because guys are also always remember guys are always playing for money, right? In the, in MLB standings, if a team is playing for 15th or 16th in a normal season, what are they really playing for at the end of the year? If you're playing for 23rd or 24th in a golf tournament, these guys might be playing for the difference of, you know, 10, $15,000 that week. Um, I think there's an incredible element to that. It's a little different than what, what you're talking about, about the viewership, but I'm saying that's where betting drives some viewers, but it's still, you still need those trademark players and golf is still trying to find those trademark players. And a guy like Bryson emerges this year as this interesting story but he's not necessarily the warmest, most engaging with fans sort of guy. He's a little bit of the villain more than the hero in golf, which um, you need. No, well, you need storylines and you need, um, I'm going to sound like an old man and I'm, I'm not trying to be, you need the water cooler talk. You need something that is the buzz. And in sports, we're so segregated now with sports because you know, I can go to my NHL app and I can see everything I need to see. And you don't have to ever touch that app and you don't have to ever see a hockey game and you can go watch your NBA 2K and that's your thing. And there's people that are listening to this podcast that are addicted to that. And there'll be people that never heard of it. And that's we're, we're just all segregated that that's that, you know, there have been people during the pandemic. A perfect example is um, people who would go on social media talking about how they're stuck with classic games. Right during the during the shutdown, it was oh I'm watching the Orioles, Cal Ripken break the record again, and I'm like, why? I I was I saw that. I I don't need that. That's mm -hmm. not what I'm looking for. What I want is something new. And there were so many new shows that I hadn't seen. Like I saw Ozark over the pan pandemic. I've seen The Boys. I watched The Mandalorian. I'm 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 in I'm in heaven right now with the amount of new content there is that I don't need classic anything. Those classic things are stupid. And because of that, everything is so fractured. What I have learned is in my estimation, sports have new goals that the NHL's goal. And I use the NHL as the example, not because it's a parallel to the PGA, but I think they're in the same boat from this standpoint is they no longer want people in Nebraska to care about them. What they care about is that people in Detroit love the Red Wings and people in Philadelphia love the Flyers. And what I think golf situation is, is that what they want right now is satisfy your P1s. 
your P1s are the people that will listen to you and watch you no matter what you do. You put static on that channel, a P1 will watch the static. If you, a P1 listener of Sports with Friends will listen when I have Jeff Eisenband on the show. Oh, I hope. I, 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 that wasn't called for. The, just the idea that, that uh, just care about the people that love you because if you satisfy them, they're never going to leave you. I think it's so I think that golf, the difference between golf and those other sports is right. That a lot of people play golf and a lot of people play golf for a long time, basketball, baseball, football, hockey. You got to give up a lot of these sports. Eventually golf people play for a long time. And I think that golf has recognized within itself golf, you know, and a lot of your, I think that a lot of your criticisms of Augusta national that you brought up before, I'm sure you have your preconceived notions of golf. The golf industry is changing dramatically uh-huh. right now. Public courses, public course play is up. Youth play is up. Um, you know, there, there's, there are all these programs take right here in New York city. I always talk about um, the New York parks department has opened up all of these different camps during the summer that they, they encourage, they have kids that, that it's a new sort of form in the Bronx and in Brooklyn and in Queens, they have kids playing golf who never would have played golf in the past. And I think that's where golf realized that, that they have all these people playing. And right now we're in a pandemic golf playing was up through the roof this entire summer for better or for worse. And I think what the PGA tour realizes is oh, we have all these people playing golf. How do we get them to watch? How do we get the guy that goes out on Friday, uh, you know, on, on Saturday or on Saturday and has a few beers with his friend on the course in Arizona or in, you know, Georgia or in Minnesota. How do we get that guy to also want to watch the professional aspect of it? And I think that that's where the PGA Tour said, what, what have we been doing? We've been, like you said, we've been catering sometimes just to this hardcore PGA Tour fan. We have all these people who love golf. And now Bryson is an example of, look, you can open Instagram, you can open TikTok, you can open Twitter and see everyone trying to do their Bryson swing impression. That's great for the PGA Tour that these people who are playing are not just saying, I'm Tiger Woods, I'm Tiger Woods, I'm Happy Gilmore after. By the way, I'm wearing a Happy Gilmore shirt right now. <laughs> Again, it's an audio podcast. But that's, that's great. <laughs> we are filming this, but uh, the, the, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, when you say I'm Tiger Woods, I don't even think Happy Gilmore. I think Family Guy. Well, <laughs> I'm saying Jr. that Cleveland I, Jr. goes, I'm Tiger Woods. I'm Tiger Woods. I'm saying that that's the, you know, when you did an impression on the course, if someone hit a good shot, they said, I'm yeah, Tiger sure. Woods. Or if someone might have been like, I'm going to hit a happy Gilmore shot. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's important for, uh, you know, the, the, look, I think, by the way, we can touch on this for hours. Um, golf fashion is something that has popped up. You know, you can look right now, Nike his stylized Jordans and Air Maxes as golf shoes that you can yep. get, you know, specifically this week, there are master's editions. I got a Wingfoot pair. Wingfoot is close, close to my heart. I, I live in, I'm in Mamaroneck right now, right down the street. Um, so I, you know, you can get, uh, th- that's another way to engage fans in a way. And you get to see, oh my God, Brooks Kepka is wearing, you know, Nike, Nike shocks on the course. Like that's amazing. These right. things that we don't, get all the you know that that's changed the sport from the guy in khakis 
that grew up in the country club lifestyle. They're trying that golf is making a concerted effort to change that. I joked with people at the U S open, right? Bryson won. All right. Bryson does not look like your normal country club banker. All right. Mm -hmm. Like I said, he looks like a linebacker. Matthew Wolf, who came in second, was taking a phone call on the first tee box 10 minutes before he teed off. <laughs> right. 20 years ago, most 10 years ago, most phones weren't allowed on golf courses. Here's a guy right. at the biggest event, you could say, of the year or outside the Masters taking a phone call on the first tee while he's getting ready to warm up. And the guy, John Pack, the guy who was the, the low amateur, who, who's a Florida State student right now, wore diamond stud earrings on the course. This is a different look than golf has had for decades. And I think it's a great thing because it can appeal to a greater mass of people. It's so interesting. And it's such a, it's such a deep dive. And, you know, you can tell you have, this is not the first time you've gone through this argument. And I, I, I find this, this is, this is turning into a sports business conversation. <laughs> Um, rather than a, 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 a master's preview. So let's let's kind of put a bow on this whole thing and say we've mentioned a lot of names. So I'm not asking you to pick a dark horse, but give me one or two names of people that for the people who are casual fans that have or maybe haven't watched a tournament or didn't realize that this godforsaken tournament was happening in November. Give me something to watch uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, somebody that'll be there over the weekend that I'll be entertained by or said listener will be entertained by. Oh, so you, so you see, so you want the entertainment value, not necessarily who we're not talking specifically who's going to win, but the entertainment side of things. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, Bryson is going to be entertaining no matter what, because you're going to see him do things that no one else in the field is going to try to do. So that's going to be every time they show him, you're like, why are they showing this guy? Because he, his angle, like, look, and I mean, I'm doing this visually to you, but guys are aiming here down the middle and he's aiming to the left because he's trying to go over the trees. So that's going to be something I think really interesting to watch. I encourage everyone out there to watch Justin Thomas because he, like I said, is a young guy with charisma, with attitude, with skill who's going to be around for a long time, he's going to be the best American player for the next 10 years. So if you want to see the best guy, and I'm trying to think of a good comparison kind of for, for someone in another sport that I, you know, I, I don't want to say Steph Curry, but I, I want to say someone that that is just going to be, you know, he's not going to sensationalize things, but he's just going to be a, like a Patrick Mahomes is a great example. Just a great player who's going to just be a great guy that makes you happy to watch uh, he's going to be your guy, but my pick is going to be Dustin Johnson, who you talked about at the top. Okay. And we, we said might not have all the charisma in the world. He just took two to three weeks off because of COVID and he came back and got a second place just last week at the Houston open. He was the best player. He won the Fe the FedEx cup playoffs. He was the best player la uh, since the restart. He was outstanding when he, when he was on, he's on. And the fact that he's coming off the second place makes me believe that he's fine. Health wise. He came in second place here last year, one shot behind tiger. Uh, and I just think that he's a guy that we talked so much about when he was younger about, he could drive the ball further than everyone else, but he's developed every other aspect of his game, which Bryson still needs to do. And I think that he's the guy who's on right now enough to win it all. That's a strong answer. A very strong answer. Um, you are doing 7,000 things. <laughs> I couldn't even do a proper intro. Um, 
what how how can people find you and how can people what 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 do you want people to watch well first of all at jeff eisenman on all social media the big thing to watch right now is so i'm hosting hall of trivia on hq which for those who remember hq trivia it never went away it's still around uh the hq trivia app that you can find on your cell phone or your ipad on every thursday night at 8 p.m eastern time i host a football and fantasy trivia show uh what does that mean it means We do some football questions, football history, what happened this past week in football and what happened this past week in in fantasy football. Um, So if you know football, you got a good chance to win $2,500 prize pot that we split up every week. Might expand on that a little bit coming up um, and 10 questions. That's all you got to do. You just got to get 10 questions, right? You're already thinking about Thursday night football, right? Because that starts at 8.15. So just come come for the 15 minutes before, hang out. uh, And that's what we do. And then, you know, I obviously do work for the NBA 2K League. We're in the off season right now. MSG Networks. I just did a, a whole Islanders segment for their, the, you know, which by the way, Seth, I learned a little bit about getting paid by the day. Um, <laughs> the Islanders kept winning and no one was a bigger was Islanders fan. And it's like you had money on the game. Than I was, uh, you know, it was. Uh, right. So I did not expect the Islanders to make that run all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, but it definitely helped me out. Um, <laughs> In the and, early you know, 2000s, I was stringing. And if the NFL teams could get a home playoff game, my God, it was like you hit the jackpot. It was great. Yeah. So that I learned that for sure. Um, so we'll see if, if I jump in with MSG with anything coming up and then uh, you'll see me probably hosting a variety of esports events over the next few months. I just hosted. You don't some just of- do basketball though. Yeah. No. I've only seen you hosting basketball for, for esports. What other games do you do? So I did, you know, for example, I've been playing a lot of PGA tour 2k, which is the new PGA tour game that I'm trying to, oh, okay. and I've actually done some hosting for world golf tour, which is a different golf game. Um, and then I'm, you know, I, I've done a little bit of FIFA, a little bit of Madden. I've done a little bit of NHL. I'll do whatever, especially in the sports game sphere. Ste- uh, Seth, we're talking, you know, I know you do, you do broadcast stuff on Twitch. And my biggest lesson for people is a lot of people think video games are video games are video games. Esports is esports is esports. It's the people not, that are watching no. the NBA 2K League do not give a crap about some of those combat games and vice versa. So I live in that sports video game sphere. Now, look, there's some crossover. I'm not saying no one is, but I'm saying it's not just a given that, oh, you play video games. You must like every sports game and every war torn video game. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. And Twitch is, is fantastic in the sense that uh, what I, have been amazed by is there's a little bit of everything. Like there is a little bit of everything. And the guys at Twitch sports asked me to put uh, something else on the screen. So it's not just two guys yapping like that. that that's what they said. They said, just do something visual. So Sunday I played, I want to say five hours of NBA 2k mobile just because I learned how to airplay it to my computer. Cause I have a PC and I airplayed it over and I recorded it. And then I had this like 45 minute video that I played on a loop while it was two guys yapping and Holy moly. People were like, that looks awesome. That's cool. That's all. And I was like, really? Like it it went that far, but man, people dug it. And I had a blast recording it. You have to remember, take Twitter, for example, how much better content does when you have a photo or a video there too. 
Um, and you might think I, I, I sent a tweet and it was funny with great writing, but visual stuff jump yeah, out to people. They always like pictures. They always like visuals, videos, something. And that's how, you know, some of the political stuff when they clip, you know, some of these news shows and you get 90 seconds of a random news show that you'd never watch and you see it and you go, oh, my God, that guy said that. What happened there? Uh, it, it's crazy, crazy stuff. Jeff, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this was great. This was so insightful. And now I'm pumped up for this this tournament here. I'm going to watch this whole thing. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully it's 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 full of drama. And uh, hopefully it's any one of the 12 names that you mentioned. But I'm going to check out Dustin Johnson. I'm, I'm going to watch the whole thing. Sunday morning, right? Starts on TV. I, said, I think I said at 10 a.m. So it'll be a full day of sports on Sunday. That'll be wild. And it's weird that CBS doesn't have any one o'clock games. That's very, very, very strange. Hey, uh, Jeff Eisenband, you can find him online. So if you had any issues with anything that came up in this podcast, do me a favor, reach out to Jeff directly. Leave me the hell out of it. Uh, thanks for listening to Sports with Friends. We will see you next week with another action-packed episode. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come on. Taking up my time